we're teaching a class live online and, and we were teaching it with students, animal science students. And one of them had their lizard out, horned lizard. Next thing you know, a number of the students started bringing out geckos and snakes and <laughs> it was quite an event. So not only were the students learning, but all the reptiles were getting involved too. Well, this is the Ag Bioscience Podcast with Agrinovis Indiana. Welcome and thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm Gary Dick with Inside Indiana Business. And this week, excited to welcome Marcos Fernandez. He's a professor of animal science at Purdue University. Marcos, thanks for joining us. Thank you. As we begin, we've got some really fascinating numbers and uh, look forward to your perspective on a, on a big report that was recently released. But that Tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you uh, how you got to Purdue. I am from the Midwest. I grew up in Illinois, and I went to ag schools in Illinois, uh, North Carolina, uh, Tennessee, worked in the southern part of the U.S., and uh, about 2011, I had an opportunity to return to the Midwest, and it was a great opportunity to return to a place where agriculture matters and where the Midwestern ways are, are practiced. I think, in the community. And it's been wonderful. What got you interested in, in agriculture? Did you, did you grow up on a farm or you come from a ag background? No, anything but. I'm suburban, but I, I had two, two loves. One was animals. And the second one was this calling to help feed the world to make it a better place. And uh, I would say that no one in my family understood why agriculture was the direction I wanted to go until they saw that I was getting to live out my passion. I worked at the student farm when I was an undergrad and loved it, loved the smell of animals, loved the, the being with them, around them, working with them. And I never looked back. It's just... Uh, it, it's been a, a, a choice of passion, frankly. A big area of focus for you uh, specifically at Purdue is the work uh, with the USDA on, on career outlook uh, reporting. Talk a bit, a bit about why this report, why it's so important, how it's created, and again, why it's, uh, it's so, so very important. The report has its, uh, its origin back in 1980. And at that time, Dr. Alan Gerker, who is uh, a Purdue, uh, he's, he's now retired, but was a Purdue individual, was involved in that very first edition. This one that we're going to talk about today is the ninth edition. Purdue has been involved in it every single time, every single edition. And Dr. Gerker has been the lead person for Purdue University. It's a job outlook. If you remember what was going on in the 1980s, the farm economies were slowing down. There was questions of whether students really should be pursuing degrees in agriculture. Or would there be a future for them and workforce and all? And USDA at that time, along with the work that Purdue did, uh, realized that no, the opportunities are going to be there, but we're, we're going to have to show the world. And that's what started this process. So we've been involved all nine editions. And Dr. Gerker, though retired, is a co-author on this report also. He's still locally here in Lafayette. It is called the USDA Employment Opportunity Report. Some people call it the Purdue Report, and some people call it the Gerker Report. And it's out of the respect and admiration they have for, for Alan and, and how much work he's done. I was able to participate three editions ago for the 2010-2015 edition. While I was still at Penn State University, I was one of the consultants consultants in the project. So then when I joined Purdue in 2011, I actually became a co-author for the 
2020 and then became the PI and the co-author for the 2020-2025 edition. Yeah. So this is uh, my third round with this. Well, it's a big report, very important, comes out every five years. Give me an idea of some of the main findings as you look at it regarding the career outlook for college grads. Main findings, bottom line, the opportunities for college grads, and that's baccalaureate and higher, so master's BS, master's PhD, DVM, continue to be strong, about 59,400 annual job openings. This reflects about a 2.6% increase from the last five years which for some people, it's a surprise. No, it is still a strong uh, job outlook for individuals in the food, agricultural, renewable natural resource and environmental sciences area. It also reflects, I believe, the need for continued students that wish to pursue either the agricultural fields or the application of their own field to agricultural opportunities and solutions and questions. And so, for example, 61% of the annual positions will be met by graduates from agriculture-related institutions like Purdue or Huntington or, mm. or University of Illinois, that kind of thing. So, the point is that there's not enough graduates to meet the needs. The other 39% would would arise from allied fields. So computer science or accounting or just biochemistry that is outside of the ag field and those kind of mm -hmm. things. Are there specific careers and in, in career paths that, that have really the most opportunity uh, based on the results of this report? Well, we're seeing that about 42% of the new position openings will continue to be the large majority. 42% will continue to be in the business and management side, but there's an increase, almost a 15% increase in the opportunities available with uh, students in the science and engineering fields. So that's the one that grew from the last edition. One of the areas that we're seeing is a convergence, Gary, a, a convergence of the technology, the non-traditional ag with the ag fields, which makes it perfect for what Agronovus is doing here in Indiana. And um, we're going to see that just increase further. We're, we're not turning back in, in, the, in that convergence, that, that coming together of very different fields to make something good happen. Yeah. So that, that convergence you talk about, which I find very interesting, it kind of underscores, I, I would assume, the fact that, that careers uh, in agriculture and the ag bioscience sector are very diverse. Lots of, lots of different paths and opportunities uh, students can take. That is correct. And as in anything in life, I mean, when you get two very different units coming together, it seems like something magical can happen, right? In, sci in the biological sciences, my area, it's called hybrid vigor or, or heterosis. Or it's just this, it's beyond what you expect from the two units coming together. And I think the opportunities are there now. I mean, if you look at the top jobs and opportunities and career opportunities across all four clusters that we looked at, data science, data analytics, statistical analysis, digital ag, all of that was listed in all four of the units. That's an area that we didn't discuss 10 years ago. What's really driving the growth in some of those areas uh, as you look at uh, the, the positive numbers? The availability of data and the ability to capture that data using autonomous vehicles, autonomous sensors out in the field, up in the air, in the water, in the soil, at the, <laughs> at the cellular level, in yeah. animals. I mean, to see dairy calves that can now be raised in a pen instead of individually it can be raised in a pen and we can determine how much each of those, even though they're in a pen, 
each individual calf drank, what her heartbeat is, what her body temperature is. Is she consuming 80% or less than what she should be? And it's sent to your iPhone or to whatever wow. phone you have. That is amazing. That, that We weren't thinking that way a few years ago. As you look at projections, looking forward, your anticipation that these numbers, growth trend, if you will, will continue. Absolutely. In some ways, these are new job opportunities. So these are new positions that didn't exist before, but it's also a replacement of folks that are retiring. And we've seen those waves come and go, but right now you can anticipate you know, a number of folks reaching that retirement age. So the opportunities are going to be there, but the positions that they left are not the positions that are going to be filled. They're going to be new, more positions looking at placing that business or that industry toward the future. Keep in mind that production agriculture is still in need. 92% of those jobs are still going to be met by ag type students, ag teachers, still in huge demand, a huge void, continues to be not only in Indiana, but nationally. The other area that you're looking at is the policy area. For individuals that understand, appreciate, can communicate agriculture, the environment, rural community in that setting, I think that's very important. As you look more broadly at Indiana, you touched on it earlier, but the, 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 the need for talent, the need to keep talent here, but also attract talent uh, from outside. What's your general perspective? Perception about the talent pipeline in Indiana, the opportunity that the state has to, to continue to grow and, and, and get the talent that's needed. Well, I'll preface this by saying that I'll tell people that I knew back in 2011, 2010, when I was interviewing for this job, that Indiana was going to be in this great position with like Agronovis and some of these others. Of course, I didn't know that. <laughs> but the fact that Agronovis and the state of Indiana, you know, the director of agriculture and Bruce Kettler, what he's doing, this convergence of business minds and policy minds and, and academics and everything coming together to make Indiana the place to be for uh, not only the agriculture of today, of the future is, is promising. I will say this, when I was being recruited to come to Purdue, one of my colleagues who's now dean at the college, uh, Dr. Karen Plow, asked me one question over the phone and she goes, do you want to be in a place where agriculture matters, where agriculture is respected and appreciated? And I said, of course I do. That's my area. And she goes, Indiana and Purdue University are both of that. And that's a rarity, Gary, in, in, yeah. in the world. Even states where agriculture is number one, it, it's still sometimes dismissed not in Indiana. Now, that's interesting. Final question for you. And along those lines, a lot of talk as you look at the future here in Indiana with all of the assets, you mentioned Agrinovas, the corporate side of things, uh, institutions like Purdue. There are so many things that are here. Can Indiana really become a center for that activity and a, a, a very key player in helping to feed the world? I believe it already is. Yeah. We have three World Food Prize laureates at Purdue, and that is pretty amazing, all in three different disciplines. We are the center, the crossroads of the U.S. You have large industries that promote agriculture. You have strong institutions and you have strong government and association support. I think it is a perfect place to be. And I'm not just telling you what you want to hear. I really believe that. Well, Marcos, the uh, the work you do at Purdue is uh, very important. You're obviously very passionate about what you do. Your perspective has been uh, has been great on the podcast. Really appreciate you joining us this week. Thank you, Gary. And thank you for all you do. Marcos Fernandez is a professor of animal science at Purdue University. And thank you too for joining us on this uh, season four of the Ag Bioscience Podcast. You can find more episodes on the latest in innovation, 
entrepreneurship, and talent in Indiana's ag bioscience space, just visit the news page at agronovasin.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Gary Dick. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source. Oh, 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 oh,